but there is still so much in the foster world that I feel like our churches could totally step up and be a part of. And I kind of had this dream and vision that if the church could understand, even if just one or two families in the church were actually fostering, but the whole church was just wrapping around them in such a powerful way, then we'd probably have less turnover because we've seen even just in our four years, many foster parents start and then either put in notice within the first placement or after that first placement leaves, that's it. And I really think it's just because of the support system that they really need there. Welcome everyone to Bringing Kids Home, a TBHC foster care and adoption production. I'm Kristen, TBHC's Outreach and Communications Admin. We are excited you're joining us today to hear stories of adoption and how any one of us, including you, can make a difference in a child's life. Today's podcast is sponsored by Imagination Learning Center. They nurture children with a positive environment, focus on creativity, education, and self-confidence, and share our faith in God. Find out more at www.imaginationcenter.com. We are grateful to Imagination for supporting today's stories. Now stick around and hear how stories of faith and family help bring kids home. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Curry, President of TBHC Foster Care and Adoption. I'm so glad you're with us. Our guests today are James and Tiffany Burns. James grew up in Florida and moved to East Texas when he was 12, while Tiffany was raised in Arlington, Texas. Since 2020, they have lived on our Waxahachie campus as foster family. They have two preteen boys and have almost always had the max number of foster kids in their home. Tiffany has always homeschooled their children. And this year, they are challenging themselves to play outside for 1,000 hours. The Burns have seen the hand of God through their entire fostering journey, as well as what support from other Christ followers can do. They are passionate about foster care and the need for churches to step up and surround foster families. Well, James, Tiffany, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank Thanks you for having, having us. us. Well, uh, let me first open with this thousand hour challenge. It sounds challenging. Tell us a little bit about what inspired that. So um, the homeschool method that we choose already naturally um encourages getting outside as much as possible. It's a Charlotte Mason approach and just how close and connected we can feel with God, just being in his creation and being outside. And I find that when we're outside, we just seem to let go of the worries, right? The cleaning, the task your house and you're looking around, you suddenly think of all these things you have to do. When you go outside, you hear the birds and you see the trees and you see the leaves And it's true for the kids too. And so we had actually um, been doing a nature group for years now on Thursdays. We go one day a week and we're outside for several hours. And I just kind of stumbled upon this thing that said a thousand hours outside. And I was like, well, that's a lot, but let's do it. I didn't grow up naturally an outside person. So I've already had to kind of force myself to step out of my comfort zone with that. And um, it's just been amazing to see how connected the kids get. There's a lot less fighting, a lot less bickering and arguing. It still happens. And the creativity that they do with not even a lot of stuff, just with dirt and rope and a tree. And we do have swings and we have a clubhouse and they love those things. Um, And we do it mostly in our own backyard. We have gone on some family hikes um, where James has been a part of that. He's not always a part of the thousand hours since he's at work during the day when we're doing a lot of the hours. Um, But we've also been intentional to spend more time together as a family on hikes. So it's grown us closer as a family, grown us closer, I feel like, to God and to each other because we just have all the stuff 
you know, that surrounds us outside of our minds since we're just in nature. That's really cool. Uh, is there um, any particular story about how it has been challenging? Um, yes, there's been moments. Uh, obviously, you've got rain and cold. So we started in January. Mm -hmm. Um, although we've had really a lot of beautiful days. So there have been days I'm like, oh, this won't be so bad. Although I know Texas heat is coming up and I'm, am dreading that a little bit. Um, but yesterday, like, so we went outside and I took, I took the four little ones and my two big ones are actually gone with their youth group. And so it was just me and the four little ones and they are five, four, three, and two, just for reference. And, um, they're having a blast. They're running around. I had them in jackets, but the wind, oh my gosh, the wind was just beating me. I wasn't in my heaviest coat at that time because I mean it was 57, 59. That sounds pretty weak, right? We're Texans. So, but I the wind and I kept wanting to go inside. And in fact, I'd like sneak in the house a minute to like get a drink or something and be like, oh, I don't want to go back out there. But they were having so much fun. I was like, Tiffany, you can do this. Suck it up. So I put on my heaviest coat and I was like, I don't even care that I look like a true Texan with a heavy coat and it's almost 50 degrees. <laughs> At least I'm outside. And so I went back out and the kids were having a blast. They had fun. When the wind would blow, sometimes they would be like, oh, mom. And, you know, but for the most part, they don't even notice it because they're running around and playing. I noticed it more because I was sitting trying to read a book. So if I was moving more, maybe that would have helped. But it's all right. We pushed through. We actually got six hours in yesterday in that cold weather. So oh, good for you. Or something it like wasn't that. 11. <laughs> Uh, it, it would be amazing. Well, we homeschool as well. And that is uh, one of one of the kids joys to be outside. So I admire you spending time out there with them because I would just wave at them from the window. Just happy <laughs> y'all are doing it. I really say let's just put on a movie and come inside. <laughs> oh, can I say that? Well, that's awesome. Um, well, again, I'm just excited y'all are with me today and tell us your bringing kids home story. So uh, kind of goes back a, a good ways. Uh, I feel like we kind of talked about it before we got married that we yeah. talked about um, adoption and that was something we were both interested in. Um, we knew we wanted to have a big family, wanted right. to have lots of children, and we knew some of those children would be biological and some of those children would be adopted. Right. And I, I don't know where the first idea for adoption came from for me, um, except it seems likely from my teen years because I was um, unofficially adopted into a family. Uh, it's kind of a funny story and I'll just give you the, a couple of quick details about it. But I was, when I was 15, 15, yeah, I just turned 15. Uh, my dad was having to go out of state for a little while and he asked this family that we knew nearby if I could just stay with them for a couple of weeks. Um, so the couple of weeks turned into seven years. And <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, he did come back, um, but it just, it, the way everything worked out that I, I stayed with them for that whole time. And when I talk about family now, most of the time I talk about them, uh, because growing up before that, I didn't have any siblings or anything. Um, so I was kind of an only child and it was, it was really tumultuous childhood. But, um, once I started staying with them, it suddenly had a, a lot more stability than I'd ever seen before. I had two parents that were in the home all the time. I had five siblings. Um, it just was a completely different life than I had had when I was younger. And, and I think because of, partially because of the way they took me in and how, uh, how much I felt like I had belonging, I think I kind of wanted to share that um, with others. So we kind of got into the idea of uh, adoption 
um, for, for that reason um, and want, wanting to build our family up more. And that kind of led us toward foster care. Yeah. So we had actually, um, so we had our two boys and then after that we had, um, various miscarriages over the years and we had always kind of imagined that we would adopt later on. Like we'd have, um, you know, biological kids and then, you know, we just didn't know how it was going to play out. Right. And so, um, after six miscarriages, actually, I think we started before that, maybe after about four miscarriages, we were like, you know what, um, God brings, you know, good to even in these situations, right? He can bring some good out of it. Maybe we need to be starting this process sooner and get into it now. Not because we were trying to replace any kids that we lost or anything like that. Um, but we already knew this was where God was leading us. And so um, we started looking into foster care and kind of went through a couple different agencies because our situation's a little unique. Um, we had to find an agency that would really work with our hearts and understand our situation. Um, and that's when we found Texas Baptist Home. And it was interesting because we had always talked about adoption, but I I don't think either of us really understood or knew what foster care was. Yeah, I I actually really had thought that foster was the same as adoption. I didn't realize there was a difference. Well, and then they label it foster to adopt. So it's like, oh, you're just fostering them till you adopt them. And I, I don't remember which class because we went to a lot of classes i feel like it wasn't until we were with texas baptist that home we finally realized it. oh that doesn't mean we're just going to adopt yeah or someone was like um no that's really not a good way to say it because if you're getting into fostering the goal is reunification right and so it's been really amazing to see how god's had to change our hearts over the years because you know, you always hear the, I'm going to get too attached bit. And that's the point. Like the point is to get too attached. These kids deserve that and need that. And you, and you know, so it's funny to us when people say that, cause we're like, do you think we don't get too attached? Because we certainly <laughs> do. Um, I mean, we, yeah, almost every time. And we had a set early on of three that we, we thought for sure at the way everybody implied, they were staying with us forever. And it like, I mourned for them for a good year and a half after, if not more. I mean, even now I still often think of them, but for a good year, year and a half, if you mention their names, I was crying and I'd look for their faces in crowds when we go places trying to see, you know, where they are or whatever. But anyways, I got sidetracked there. So we ended up finding out there's a difference between straight adoption or matched adoption and foster care. And but I think in the midst of that, we realized that there was a, a serious need for foster care. Yeah. And I remember before we got very far into it, before we ever had actually had any kids in the home, we said, I, I told Tiffany, I was like, okay, we're going to foster anyway, because this is necessary. Um, and it just, it's been a, <laughs> it's been a ride. For <laughs> it sure. has been a ride. Uh, but definitely something that I felt that we were called to do. Yeah. So we started just over four years ago. We started in February of 2019. And um, since then, we've had 20 kids in our home. And just seeing how God's used that time, you know, I, I mentioned. So the first two placements we got, I remember them dropping them off and then they just leave. And you go through all these classes and they tell you all these things and nothing can prepare you. Nothing can <laughs> prepare you. happens, the it. kids are there and we look at each other and we're like, what do we do? I started bawling <laughs> because I was like, oh my gosh, now they expect us to take care of them. Like, what do we do? You know, what do they even call us? But, you know, they were five and two. And so they call us mom and dad, Mr. James, Mrs. Tiffany. They, she okay. Yeah. She was five. Wasn't I? 
don't know. I think she was four or five somewhere yeah. there. Anyways, it was just this this eye opening of uh, oh my gosh, this is this is real. And actually, even before then, I remember um, getting some of the phone calls. James wasn't a part of this so much, other than hearing it from me afterwards, and just gasping when they call you and they tell you these stories. And and I think that's where our hearts even grew stronger that God has called His people to do this, to love on children, to love on people and to, um, you know, be there for these kids and getting sidetracked. Sorry. Um, so anyways, I completely lost my train of thought. I'm so God, sorry. God's called us to be there for these kids getting the phone call. Oh yeah. So you get these phone calls. Everybody tells you what to, you know, you hear these horrific stories when you're going through training and you hear these awful things. And then you realize, you know, you never think those are real stories. You know, you do, but you don't. And then you get these phone calls and these things that really happen. And you just realize, oh my gosh, more people need to, there's, we need more people. There's not enough people who are willing to get to attach, who are willing to let their hearts break and shatter for these children who just need a home. They, they don't deserve anything they've been through. They haven't done any of this to themselves. They've been through horrific situations, witnessing things no child should ever witness. And while that's hard, you know, we have hard struggle moments with these kids. When you remember their story, suddenly you're like, all this aside, no wonder they're having struggling, communicating their feelings or what they're going through or, or no wonder yeah, no wonder they're acting out. No wonder they're sneaking food. I mean, when they didn't have access to it or they had no choice but to try to find it. Uh, I remember this story uh, from our second placement. We woke up one morning and a three-year-old had gotten over the baby gate into the kitchen and got a slice of cheese out of the fridge. Out of the fridge, not not fridge, fridge. And I remember at the time being so irritated that he did that. And now I look back and I'm like, it's a piece of cheese, and he. That was like all he knew to get out of the fridge because that was the life that he had. And it was just, I got to get a piece of cheese. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, it's scary to think that they, they live in a situation like that. Yeah. Yeah. We've had, I mean, even some, a couple that we have now, similar situations. I remember, you know, we had a year, year and a half old who's, you know, super little still easily at the age that parents are taking care of this child, right. Feeding and, and should be, should be right. And he would climb up on everything to reach out for, for the food or for the drinks or for the whatever, clearly needing to take care of himself in his mind. And it just broke my heart. Cause I was like, what has this child been through that he can't, he doesn't expect me as the mom in the house to feed him or to get him his drink, you know, that he thinks he needs to do that, you know? So that's just, these are the types of things Did you want to share can't think if there's anything else I was going to say on that. So, you know, during that time, God really worked on our hearts for reunification, right? Because uh, in one way, our hearts were on adoption, right? And so when we got into fostering, we knew, you know, and I had read, you know, there's so many stories you can read. I had read about people who fostered and immediately adopted the first placement they ever got. And then I read about some who never adopted and just fostered a whole bunch of kids. And so you just never knew, right? And the first couple of placements we had, we knew they were going to family. That was kind of already the well, first, the, the sorry, first the first placement we had with two sisters. Um, but then the three that came after that, 
you know, you they just, told us when they dropped them off, they're like, yeah, these aren't going back home. Which actually that was said to us almost every time. <laughs> almost every time. Been dropped <laughs> off. There's no way. Um, and so we believed it almost every time. We have. We've learned. <laughs> Until the ones that we have now. That... That's true. That are all staying now. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and while the system is incredibly broken and it's full of a bunch of broken people, we're all broken, right? Like we live in a sinful world. We all have sin within us. So naturally you're going to run into great caseworkers and you're going to run into some that I'm sure they've just gotten numb to it. Right. Like having to see all of this and hear all of this. And, and yeah, I think sometimes we've even gotten that way with some of the kids. Like it's easy to just, Oh, this is just another story, another situation. We see this all the time. And so you, we run into people who didn't seem to maybe care for the kids as much as we expected them to. Um, and unfortunately, that's where we have to step in, right? Like our goal was to always provide a home. In fact, we even um, prepared a letter that we would eventually, I didn't do this early on, but I figured this out after two or three years in to send a letter to the parents so that they can see, hey, we're on your side. Because what was happening is a lot of them were calling us mommy and daddy. And we have two kids in our home. They're now 13 and 12. When we started, they were nine and eight and nine. So they're, you know, they're still, they're calling us mommy and daddy. So these kids are coming in and they're calling us mommy and daddy. So then their parents would hear that and it would be very hurtful to them. And so, and our goal was for them to feel at home. I did want them to feel like this was their home, um, at least for while they're here and they were welcome to call us whatever they wanted. And um, so I sent a letter to the parents explaining, you know, we're temporary. We're just here to help love on them while you get stuff together and while you get what you need together. And um, and that they may call us mommy and daddy, but please know that's that's primarily because we have kids in our home that we are their mommy and daddy. So they're calling us that. And so that, I think that really helped. Um, I would also write letters to um, the parents at visitation. Um, there were a few times we didn't get a response. Um, and then other times we, we would get some really good responses. And then, um, I'd send photo books at the end with them that would have photos for their time while they were with us. So they can remember that, um, some of the songs we would sing with them, some of the hymns, um, and some of the prayers and things, um, and a letter to the parents and to them. And with our phone number, um, over the years, we've only had one family, um, actually reach out to us and call us. And now we're actually connected through Facebook. Um, and it's been so amazing to that watch is, them. That was kind of an amazing story. Cause I remember when, when those kids were dropped off, you know, we got the same line. Oh, they're not going home. Yeah. And, they're, they're, they were addicted to meth, the parents. Yeah. And it was like, there's no uh, hope. There's no hope for this situation. And it was just amazing to see God work in the lives of the parents during that time to the point that they, they got off the drugs and they turned their lives around and they got their kids back um, in under 12 months. Yeah. Um, they went home. No extensions. Just under or 10 months. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was just amazing to see that and to see we still, you know, like she said, keep up with them on Facebook and see the things that are going on in their lives. And it's it's just a miracle. And it's 
Um, really cool to see that situation. And you just have to pray and we would pour into them as much as we could and get our church family to do the same. And even as they left, remind them who God created them to be. And that no matter what their situation is, God loves them and God wants to do these amazing things in them. We'd send them with Bibles. I mean, there's just so much that I feel like the church can and needs to be doing for these kids. And a lot of times I think people feel like, why can't open my home. Some of that I think is more of a won't rather than a can't, but I do believe there are some people that just, they can't situations, but there is still so much in the foster world that I feel like our churches could totally step up and be a part of. And I kind of had this dream and vision that if the church could understand, even if just one or two families in the church were actually fostering, but the whole church was just wrapping around them in such a powerful way, then we'd probably have less turnover because we've seen even just in our four years, many foster parents start and then either put in notice within the first placement or after that first placement leaves, that's it. And I really think it's just because of the support system that they really need there. We try, we have connected strongly with other foster parents and I think that's helped us strengthen us. Yeah. Were you going to say something? No, like that? I was just thinking like the the support. We did get uh, a lot of support from individuals in our church um, during that time, though that maybe the church as a whole wasn't overly supportive. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a miracle kind of that we didn't stop after the first couple of placements because those are the hardest. Just mm-hmm. learning all the situations, the ins and outs of the basics of how it works. Um, and that and, feeling of being too attached and having, yeah. It. And, oh yes. The, the, you know, ripping out of your heart and throwing it back in, in a bloody mess. Um, yeah. that's kind of how it feels. Um, so that, that was difficult. And I think if, if we did have the, the church around, um, to strengthen and encourage and, um, support the, the foster families, I think that would make a big difference. Yeah. And that could be through meals. Um, just providing meals alone would be a huge, yeah. especially at when a new placement comes for the first couple of weeks or visitations, hard days, you know, just the massive amount of stuff. And it's a huge, for some people, you know, we have a friend that took on three. She went from zero to three. You know, we went from two. She's amazing. She's single mom. Amazing. Um, we went from two to four in the beginning and then worked our way up five and six. And that was still a pretty big leap of getting used to that. And so, you know, I think changing that mentality, I have over the years just really felt um, God's presence with us and through us and that truly foster parents and, and adoptive parents even still going on and doing the work still um, are missionaries in their home. And it's a 24-7 mission field and it's hard work. And I feel like if we could grasp that mindset, I think the church does kind of, I mean, they probably could still grasp missionary work in general more than it maybe does. But I think as a whole, the church understands mission work, mm-hmm. but for some reason we, we break it apart. If you could see this is actually a mission field right here and the people that are coming in and the difference that can be made by you just showing up at the house with food and just wanting to give hugs to the kids, remembering their names, praying over them, um, you know, speaking things over them, just telling them how God loves them and just being there, being there for the foster parents. Hey, I just wanted to come by. I'm on your babysitter list and I just want to come by and let you have a date night out. You know, just these types of little things that I think could make a huge difference that the church as a whole, I know for us, probably I was trying to remember when it was 
feel like it was in January of some year, a couple years in or so, we got to the point where we were like, we just can't anymore. I think we're done. I, I think this is it. This is the last well, placement. Three years that- back, because it was the first time we went to every tree, right? Yeah. So then 2021 i don't know there was one year we were done and clearly a god thing because literally we were talking the night before about this is it when these (laughs) kids leave we're done because there's a lot that happens and a lot you just don't know that's going to happen like our boys learned things we never expected them to learn at certain ages just things they were told that the other kid had witnessed things like that and that's hard to hear and i think that scares people but at the same time again that reminder that they didn't do that. That wasn't on them. Like they should never know that either. You know, they need people loving on them and caring for them. Right. And so anyways, that night we were talking about literally the next day was a Wednesday. And I remember my friend calling me up and saying, Hey, can you get babysitters for this weekend? Like literally two days away. I've got six kids, right. For the whole weekend. Can you get someone to watch all six kids the entire weekend this weekend? There's this couple's marriage, foster and adoptive parent retreat we want you to go. And like, no, it's not even cost you any money. You just need to get babysitters. And we did. And that was a life-changing weekend just to have, first off, other foster parents and adoptive parents around to say, y'all, this is hard and we're struggling. And are you struggling too? Oh, good. So this is all normal. So we can do this together. We can hold each other up. And we've had years we've gone to that retreat strong and helped those that were not. And we've had years we've gone where we needed the people to strengthen us. And I think that's where that community in the church and in other foster and adoptive families and just the the stop hiding behind it, making it look fake and wonderful yeah. because it's hard, it's hard and that's okay because God's called us to do hard things. He didn't call us to be an easy life. He he didn't put this on these poor children. They need somebody who's willing to fight the hard and do the hard for them. So strangely enough, we ended up with two kiddos last summer. Um, you know, nor we were still fostering, right? The goal is reunification fairly early on. I think we got a sense of, okay, this might turn into forever. Um, unfortunately bio mom had been in foster care herself. Right. So this is like, I speak the name of Jesus as I've just been praying and singing that over these children because this, we need to stop these cycles and figure out, and that's a whole nother podcast, I think in and of itself, how we can help the parents on that end too. So we can stop the cycle from going, but I can't help everybody, but I can do what I can do. Right. So here's the two I've got right now and we can stop this cycle now. And then in the midst of them being with us, we actually ended up getting two more placements. And so I should say those two placements were um, in diapers. The two children were in diapers and I had just had a third one in diapers, right? Three in diapers. And the third one, he went back home with his older brother. And so I was feeling a little relief, believe it or not, for only having two in diapers. And I felt like, oh, life is easy right now with two instead of three in diapers. And we got a call for two more little ones. And I kind of wanted to go older. So the two little ones, we got a call in December, right before Christmas. That's the other thing, like days before Christmas, these kids need a home, right? And it's just heartbreaking to hear that. we've already done all the Christmas parties and everything. Yes, we've done the Christmas parties, you know, all the Christmas shopping, everything's done. It's like Christmas about to happen. But that's where it's good to have a good agency, right? We've got a great agency that says, look, what do you need? Let's make it happen. We're going to get you Christmas presents and good friends that do the same. And anyway, so they bring me these two placements. One was older. So I naturally assumed 
he was potty trained and one was younger. And I'm like, oh, here we go. And so we actually kind of ended up between some behavior things. And now I have four in diapers. So I went from, okay, I only want two. I can handle two. Give me older kids to now four in diapers and just a lot. It was a lot and overwhelming. Um, there was a lot of tears, a lot of crying in the first few days with that. I didn't think I could do it. Um, my amazing husband and my, uh, our amazing older boys, I, we haven't given them enough credit. They have been huge blessings. They're, they're on this mission field with us. 100% on this field as well. Yeah. And, um, they were like, we got this, we got this, we can do this mom. And I'm like, no, I don't think we can. I'm done. Um, we, and then we actually, we for the first time ever, I, I did put a notice on two kids and I have never done that. And that was very difficult. And there are lots of reasons people do that. So I'm not at all shaming anybody that does that, but I did feel a lot of guilt over that. And which you didn't deserve. Yeah. But it, was, it, yeah, that was a little more it, difficult. It was a lot. Were. It was for sure. Um, but it was just amazing to see how in the next few weeks after that notification was put in, how God changed my heart through those children and also through my husband and through my children and just our friends and people wrapping around saying, Hey, if you, if you want to keep doing that, that's fine. We support you, but I think we can maybe do this a little bit longer. So it actually turned into a, all right, fine. We can do anything for 12 months, right? Like we we're just doing this. We decided we were just going to do that until they were reunified. Yeah. They were going to be reunified. That was, right? Like reunification is the goal. And so then all of a sudden, and actually we, I I even have a Facebook post showing that because I, I wrote letters to mom and she had written back. And anyways, um, I ended up taking back the notice because things had kind of settled. That's the other thing. There's a big settling time. I think that a lot of foster parents need to realize, I think for us, I find about a month. Now that case, (laughs) this one, it took two (laughs) months. Um, Cause I didn't put the notice in until after the month mark. Um, but anyways, so God just totally worked and changed our family dynamic and the way things looked with these two sweet kiddos and just the reminder of that the, their behaviors and their situation is not, what's the word reflective of them. It's of where they're, yeah, it's where they come from, where they came from and, and the, the trauma and the, the mess that they were in before and just the hard, you know, when you're having to fend for yourself, when you're literally found roaming the streets multiple times because nobody's watching you and taking care of you and making sure you're okay and these types of things. And so anyways, we ended up taking the notice back. We wrote to mom and went back and forth on that. And then it just kind of became apparent, you know, that this was not going to be the reunification wasn't going to happen. And in a strange turn of events, um, we have two sets of two siblings. So four, not at all related two and two, um, that just happened to terminate within just right back to back of each other. And so now we're moving into the adoption side of things. Um, we're past the 90 days on one set and we're in the midst of the 90 days on the other set. So, um, it's just been amazing to watch God. I feel like even how he's healed my heart through all of the loss we had before we started this. And a lot of times I think people worry because there's more loss here. And there was, obviously we went through a lot of loss. We had 20 kids, 16 kids left our home and almost all of them 
it was difficult for them to leave. And I mean, so I say that obviously there are a few that you're kind of like, I loved you. I did my time, <laughs> like, but there, it was, it was very hard. And it was just amazing to see how God could heal even in the midst of all that, just heal in the knowing, Hey, you have a lot of love you want to give. And there's a lot of kids that need that love. And so even if they have to go back home and it's going to break your heart, just imagine what God could do through you during that short time. I mean, the one set that broke our hearts was only with us six months. And I still pray that somehow that six months, even at their young ages, somehow impacted them and that they could feel that. And I believe that God can use anybody, even in those short periods of time. If nothing else, it gave them this time of stability so they could develop. Um, yeah, and, and heal past yeah. yeah, for sure. Hi, I'm Laurie Henthorne, Donor Engagement Manager at TBHC Foster Care and Adoption. Did you know that there are over 6,000 children waiting for adoption in Texas today? And did you know that there are only about 1,000 willing foster adoptive homes licensed and available to them? These children are coming from hard places and are needing a place to heal. We at TBHC strive to provide homes where they'll feel safe and loved and where they can begin their healing process. What if you could play a part in changing these statistics? TBHC depends on people like you to help change the course of these children's lives. You could open your heart and home to them, or you could come alongside them and help provide for the parents' training or for specialized therapy for a child through your financial support. We invite you to visit our website, tbhc.org, to find out more about us, hear inspiring stories and ways to pray for TBHC families, and to find out how you can be a part of bringing kids home. Anything else you want to add? Oh, I know. That was all great stuff. I'm just trying to keep from crying over here. So. <laughs> you guys both represent what we do at TBHC so well. And... Um, you, you put a great commercial out for us too, and our support and what y'all do and what we do. I mean, I want y'all to know y'all are the heartbeat of our ministry. And I hope y'all, y'all believe that and know that so many of the things that you've shared so far, um, just your background, James, and just, you know, most people experience what you did and say, how can I get as far away from that as possible? If you were to describe what drew you back to serving kids that essentially had a similar background to you. Um, <laughs> I was thinking I didn't even get into the half of it. Yeah. Um, my, my, my early childhood was crazy. Um, God, I just, it's God the whole way. Um, I mean, I, I had uh, a few people early in my life that told me about Jesus and I got saved because of that. Um, and it's just the, the, the work that he did in my life for essentially four or five years where I had no other real Christian influence. Um, and then to be essentially dropped into another family that fully embraced me. I, I think that was the amazing thing that um, encouraged me to want to do this. Um, but I, it was just, it, it felt, it was the thing that was supposed to happen. Uh, and we've used that over the years with different kiddos, depending on the situation. He has opened up 
about some of the things he went through when it was related and and not necessarily too like in depth about no i don't give him the whole <laughs> details but just a hey i can i can understand in a ways and i i ha- didn't experience it but just knowing his story i've often thought this is how our kids feel right they when they go from not being used to sitting down and having family dinners with a mom and a dad and other siblings and now suddenly they have that and even that scared feeling of what's life going to be when they go back, when reunification does happen, because it's likely still not going to look the same, right? It's still going to have some differences. So I think you having that yeah, has been helpful to help us relate to the kids as well as share with them that you, you can relate to them. Yeah. Yeah, I can. I mean, definitely. And I understand the, I, I, None of them have ever told us this, but I can understand the the ambiguity in their mind, and the difficulty of trying to figure out which parent is the parent, um, because I, I had an opportunity for, quote unquote, reunification. And I chose not to do that because I had a stable environment and it was something I'd never experienced before. And because of that I, I knew that was the best thing for me to do. So I stayed where I was instead of going back with my dad. And you weren't technically in, he wasn't in. No, no, I had not been removed officially. It was just my dad had literally asked them if I could stay with them. And by the time a good opportunity came for me to go back, I was 16 or 17 and involved in things. And um, it just, it wasn't the right opportunity for me to do that, which, you know, caused other trouble with my dad for a number of years, but we eventually got that under control too. You know, our mission statement is caring for children and families by offering stability. And it's it's just beautiful that y'all both continue to say, you know, this is this is something that you're giving kids. And what you experienced with stability changed your life. It made it where you felt like there was a place to be, a place to belong. And It's anyway, it's all over your story that that's what y'all are offering kids, because it's really all we can offer. Kids have to choose to accept it. Yeah. Um, Very beautiful illustration of accepting this grace from God, too, that we have to choose to accept that free offer that he gives us. Right. Um, You know, y'all y'all shared a little bit about reunification. uh, And, you know, Tiffany, you specifically talked about your. Um, journey to change your mind on that. I wonder if you wouldn't mind digging in a little deeper on what what kind of journey was that? Was it um, you had to dig through some of your own thoughts and cast those aside? What what happened? So I think it's easy to put a lot of blame on the parents and to be like, well, they did this. Well, they, this is their fault. And if they hadn't have done all these things, then their kids wouldn't be in this situation. And I have the gift of empathy, although it does not feel like a gift most days. Um, and even struggling now with our two sibling sets that were on the journey of adoption for now, struggling with the heartbreak that their parents are feeling over the loss of their rights for their children. And just realizing these are real people. This is a real mom who gave birth to this child, whether or not during the pregnancy she made the right choices or even after what was going on in her life that she made these choices or that he made these choices to get them to this point. And I think realizing 
that and realizing these are real people who are broken and in a broken world and constantly reminding yourself of that. And I know even in our trainings, I remember we would read a story and then it would somehow connect to another story. And then suddenly you'd realize the first story you read was actually the parent of the child you get in foster care. And it was like, whoa, like, oh my gosh, they went through this hard thing as a child that they went through. And now here they've had children and they didn't know maybe how to raise them correctly because of their childhood or what they've been through. And that's that cycle I was kind of talking about earlier, right? That somehow we need to figure out a way to break into that cycle and, and help heal. And it, it isn't always going to be through adoption because I don't feel like the cycle always needs to be broken by just tearing people off. I think it, there's a combination. I think the stability is a big key to that. And I actually did not know that was part of our mission statement. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, I think um, we've heard a number of stories of, of uh, people who have grown up in foster care and foster parents, for whatever reason, didn't keep the child for very long before tossing them off to another foster family. And that foster family did the same thing and tossed them to another foster family. And I think a lot of times it, it becomes, I, I would assume the child becomes more difficult with each family they go to because there's least or there's less incentive to try to attach or to feel comforted or safe or at peace because they know that it's only a matter of time before they get sent somewhere else. And I think it, that goes back to the idea of the, of the support and for newer foster families to realize it's going to get better. Just give it some time. It's going to be super hard until it gets better. Um, but if you can stick through that for just a little while longer, I think most of the time it's going to get a lot better. And that's going to help break that cycle because they won't continue to be moving on and on and on. And showing that, that you're also especially if unification is still the goal, showing that you are there to support the parent, right. that you're not going to talk bad about them. You're there to love on them as well. And that you want to help this to be a good reunification. Uh, and I think sometimes in that we, we forget what love means. And, you know, if we read about it in the scripture, most of the time, it's, it's not a, of uh, a feeling it's not an emotion. Most of the time that we think, Oh, I just feel so great. And these overwhelming feelings, it's not about that. It's it's actually an active choice. You have to choose to love someone. And, and sometimes the kids that come into our home, they're not easy to love at first. Uh, I actually remember one of them early on, we told him we loved him. He's like, why do you love me? You don't even know me. Mm -hmm. And it was like, because we choose to do that. And I, I think that helps us get past the difficult situations a lot more is that we make that choice and say, well, no, I've chosen to love you. So that's the way this is going to be. It was about a choice. It wasn't about how I felt. So that's really powerful. That's great. I'm overwhelmed by it. I mean, you guys have such a wonderful comprehension of this and y'all, y'all been doing this a while. So you are veterans in this space. If you were to be challenged to share one thing from each of you, of course, but from one thing that you wish everyone knew about foster care, what would that be? It's two parts to that one thing. <laughs> Which I think I already said, but um it, it's a tremendous need um and i i think if you stick with it it gets better um even though it's super difficult it it will get better um if you stick with it and make that conscious choice to love that child 
And instead of using getting too attached to be your excuse, let it be the reason you're doing it. Be because story. yeah, I, I need to get too attached to this kid because he needs that. We had one very difficult one who had been in <laughs> three or four homes before he came to us. And I, I'm very stubborn. So that probably helped. Cause I was like, this kid's not leaving my home until he's being reunified. And so that probably helped. And he and I connected in such a powerful way. I think, cause he knew you can say what you want to say to me, but you're not leaving my home. So we're going to figure this out, get over it and let's move on. Like, what are we doing? How can we move forward? So I think the goal is to get too attached and to let them know that, that that's okay. I do love you. And I know it doesn't make sense, but it's because God loves me. And that doesn't make sense because I have fought, failed him over and over again. And I'm going to keep failing him. And we all are. And he's going to keep loving me and forgiving me. And I'm going to keep loving you and forgiving you. And we're going to do the same for your parents too. And we're going to figure this out together for however long it takes. That's so great. Uh, guys, thank you so much for sharing your story with me today. Thank you for letting us share our story. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to get in touch with today's guest or any of our previous guests, you can contact us through our email, podcast at tbhc.org. That's podcast at tbhc.org. Leave us a comment, recommend a guest to our show, and give us a five-star review wherever you listen. And don't forget to subscribe. For more information, check out our website, tbhc.org, and discover how you can participate in bringing kids home.